Hello and welcome to episode six of Talks with Walks. Today is December 1st, 2023, which is just kind of ridiculous. I can't believe that it's already December. And I'm here with a special guest, my friend Brandon. Brandon, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. This is your first time on a podcast, right? Yeah, this is my first time on a podcast. I'm really excited. I'm happy to hear that. It's cool. It's, this is, you're only my second guest in six episodes. Because I've been trying, like I had Jack Henry episode two. It was great. That's like the one that has like the most like impressions. Yeah. And then it's just been me for like the last three. And like, I, I like doing it by myself because like I started it by myself. But like, it, I, I need to get more guests incorporated in here. Oh yeah. It, I mean, it definitely spices things up for sure. Yeah. Because like the other episodes have just been me talking for like an hour. And I just go on like these little rants. Like I think last episode <laughs> I talked about like Thanksgiving for like a half hour. I talk, I, I mean, I, I go on like, like sports rants a lot. Like I was talking about like the Kings a bunch last episode. Yeah. And then when it gets to like the last fifteen minutes, it's just me talking through the connections in the wordle just to yeah. myself, and it gets it gets real really sloppy. But I'm happy to have you here. I'm excited to talk. Whatever we end up talking about, but it should be fun. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm yeah. really excited. So you're at Towson, and you commute there. I do commute. Yeah. So what are you what are you studying again? So I study finance. So okay. I have a major in finance and a minor in uh, economics. Okay. So um, I'm pretty much trying to trying to do it all up there. Mm-hmm. And what's the intern? Because you're telling me about an internship before yeah. we start recording. Yeah. So I just got uh, an offer for a finance internship with Stanley Black and Decker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like the big tool company. Um, yeah. And they have a one of their global headquarters is based in Towson. Oh, nice. So I uh, just got that offer a couple of days ago, um, and I'm really excited to start up. It starts in summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a big step towards you know becoming a, or having a career in finance. So oh, yeah. I'm really excited. I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Oh yeah. Is it a paid internship? It is a paid internship. That's good. Because yeah. I cannot imagine doing an unpaid internship. I've seen a lot of unpaid internships, like when I'm looking to apply for some, and I know that the applicant number is like zero because yeah. everyone's trying to get in for money, especially with college, like mm-hmm. everyone's in debt. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I wasn't even looking at the wage mm-hmm. for my internship, but like, I mean, any type of money is fine by me. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good experience. Oh, I, I started to look at internships too, and I've been doing, I'm a little late to the game. But, I mean, obviously, I'm only, like, a sophomore right now. But it's just, like, it's stressful because, like, what's going on in some of my classes? Like, my one class, my writing class, like, we're writing cover letters right now. And, like, yeah. learning how to, like, present ourselves to, like, a, like an employer. And it's just, like, it's stressful because it, it just feels like like my professor's just putting me on his schedule as opposed to, like, me kind of, like, doing it, my, like, on my own pace. Yeah. And, it's, and I'm also, like, really bad at t- talking about myself. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, did you have to write like like present like a resume and like a cover letter to this internship at all? So typically, when you apply to internships, you have to supply a resume. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on what company you apply for, you kind of want to like alter it to, mm-hmm. like on what they're looking for. Yeah. So like a certain type of position, I had to do that several times just so like um, they have this system like uh, application tracking systems where it scans the resume and looks for like important keywords that are part of the job that you're applying for. Yeah. Um, and then they use that and like, oh, you can move on to interviews. Um, you don't really need much of a cover letter. I only have had, have encountered a couple of companies that have had like the requirement of a co- of a cover letter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good to know. Yeah. But honestly, what I I mean, I have a mentor too. I got one from 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 Towson, and mm-hmm. he said the resume and cover letter is ten percent of the battle. Mm-hmm. It's all just being a, like you know having a good impression of yeah. who you're talking to, and that definitely goes a long way. Mm-hmm. So, but I think I think you'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting you phrase it like that because like my professor, he's like really. I mean, obviously, like this cover letter is an assignment for the semester, and like, but he's like putting a lot of weight in, into it because like the way that he's going about it is like you want your first sentence to be like unique because like these people are going to be reading these applicants and like his life. If you don't stick out in that first sentence, they're not going to bother to look at the rest of it. Well, yeah. Like he's put a lot of weight into it, and I feel like that's since like you know I want to be like journalist, like I want to be in like the writing field, and, like the journalism field. I I feel like it definitely 
matters more than it would in the finance because writing is a huge part of yeah. what I want to do. Yeah. But that, that's interesting that you said that. And like, what what responsibilities will you have at this internship? So <clears throat> I'll be rotating through. It's called the Stanley Leadership Program, and yeah. it encompasses different aspects of finance. So there's a section for financial planning and analysis. Um, there's one for accounting, uh, budgeting, and we just we pretty much are responsible for looking at different budget proposals that they have. So say Stanley Black and Decker wants to create a new uh, a new project for know, a new tool that they're creating. We would have to analyze you know the return on investment, how much money we're going to put in, and how much money we're going to get out of it, mm-hmm. and then whether we accept or decline that project. But there's a lot more like a lot more number crunching, um, a lot of accounting for sure. But I think it's really just being like the the key analysts that determine like how we should prioritize our money. Mm-hmm. And is this an internship that you feel you could like you could spend a lot of time at the company and move through it, or do you do you want to just like spend time at the internship and then look elsewhere for another position? Well, one thing when I was through the uh, the interview process was that they were really uh, adamant in growing the the intern. Mm-hmm. Um, and from people that I've talked to, I actually have a couple of family friends that have worked for Stanley Black and Decker in the past, and it's really a growing company. Mm-hmm. They really want you to grow and gain more responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people that have gotten full-time offers after the internship, and they're also just a great company. They're a Fortune 200 company. Uh, they are the top uh, industrial tool manufacturer in the world. Um, so, yeah, they, they really prioritize the idea of, you know, picking up the employees and really just letting them grow and become, you know, very like prominent individuals in the company that's cool that's a cool opportunity yeah and i'm hoping to find the same thing with my internship because like for my major at hcc like for yeah. my associates like yeah. one of the requirements is like a it's called a field project yeah. where you have to clock 135 hours as like at, like for an internship and that can be either done i'm probably either gonna do it in the summer or in the fall what i'm hoping to do is find an internship for the summer hold it for like that, that summer and then start to clock the hours in the fall because i was talking with my advisor yesterday and she said like, if you were to do it in the summer, you'd have to do, like, 13 hours a week as opposed to nine in the fall. So, like, I'm really hoping that I can, like, like, I don't want to get an internship just for this, like, single semester. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to have, like, like I want to build and grow throughout, like, how you're going to grow yeah. with Stanley. Like, just, like, have a relationship with that company and then find a way to either move up or, like, use that experience to transfer somewhere else. Yeah, and I, I think, <clears throat> like, even if you don't transfer somewhere else and you stay within the same company, as long as you show that you're, you're willing to work, mm-hmm. you're a good person, which, which I know you are, yeah. um, that, that goes a long way. It's yeah. not just whether you can do the job or not. It's how you interact with other people within the company. Um, and if you do that, they will definitely get you on board. And um, and also, what companies were you looking to, like, apply for for internships? Um, I've looked at, like, 98 Rocks. Uh, I've, t- I've talked with one of my, like, dad's friends who's worked for 98 Rock and has, like, worked with Mass and Sports. And, like, she said, suggested, like, WBAL TV. Um, and she's also like telling me like I need to like set up like a LinkedIn and like a business Twitter, which I yeah. thought was very interesting because like I don't know like I haven't really like like there hasn't really been much of an emphasis at least from my classes so far about social media presence at least on Twitter because like I know for a fact like my professor who's like I've had for like a bunch of my classes and he's like a really like prolific like he's done tons of things in like Ohio Indiana like yeah. Maryland and like. Virginia, like I, I, I severely doubt that he had a Twitter. So I, I'm very interested to see how beneficial. Like I just created it last night. Like I'm, I'm curious to see like how I could grow with like a, a Twitter account. And like I've never really been, I haven't really been introduced to LinkedIn at all. Like I, I don't really know what to do with that. So I'm very curious about how it's gonna work out. And she also said like 
like she like emphasized like the social media presence and I said like well it's like because I've been doing YouTube for the last few months and she said like YouTube really isn't the same thing which kind of surprised me because I feel like YouTube kind of trumps Instagram and Twitter because I feel like YouTube YouTube is something that everybody watches yeah like no matter what like some people don't have an Instagram account but they watch YouTube videos like all the time some people don't you know tweet but they're gonna watch a YouTube video all the time so I'm I'm, I'm very intrigued and like kind of like curious as to why like YouTube isn't something that these um, like employers like journalistic employers kind of look at as like because I feel like what you're able to um, show about yourself on YouTube is much better than what you're able to show on Twitter because Twitter you're, you're just like she's, she said like you want to like quote tweet a lot and like just kind of like reply and just kind of give your thoughts on like different like things that are happening in the sports world like YouTube you're able to talk about it and show your face and kind of show your how comfortable you're on camera so I'm just very I'm very intrigued well one thing I know, at least in a professional setting, LinkedIn is incredibly important. Yeah. But I think what you're doing with the podcast, making YouTube videos, is also just a great indicator. If you were to, like, either mention that in an interview or include that, like, on your resume, um, that would be incredible. Uh, but a LinkedIn really just helps you network with professionals in your field. Yeah. Um, and if you set that up and just include some of the things that you've done and you maybe try to, like, reach out with people in the field, it might not be an employer, but someone who was – been an intern and, and w with what you're looking for that will help you create connections because more often than not it's not about what you can do it's whether you know someone or not mm -hmm. that's pretty much the key of be, like having an internship i mean i was fortunate enough to to get one this semester but last year i didn't know anybody mm -hmm. i didn't really have a linkedin at the time honestly and i didn't get an internship last summer mm -hmm. was, i mean it was disappointing but like it really goes to show it's not it's like a 10 percent what you can do 90 percent what like who you know yeah um but yeah, I mean, if you ever want to <laughs> get help setting up a LinkedIn, I, I'm the guy. I've been, I've been doing that for the past uh, past couple months, and okay. um, I mean, it definitely helps. But like, like you doing all of this is like a grade above what I guarantee what other people mm -hmm. are studying, like or what they're doing. That's what I'm hoping, because like my main goal with creating this podcast and being consistent with YouTube is to just have a generate a portfolio. Yeah, because I've talked about this on the show. Probably every episode I've talked about this on the show. I talked about it with Jack, especially where it's like the first like few months or like the first like 25% of what you're creating needs to just be for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because if you're, if you're trying to focus on appeasing fans or potential fans, then you're not really going to get anywhere because not everybody's going to like what you do. So as long as like what you do is something that you're enjoying, like I'm having a lot of fun just making the podcast by myself. I'm making like a YouTube video every week, like a few every week. And I'm like, I'm doing it for myself because if you do it for the fans and trying to appease people, then you're not going to get anywhere. So, like, I'm just, I'm trying to generate a portfolio, and if I can, you know, gather a fan base, like, along the way, like, even better, because, like, that's just, that just goes to show that, like, as long as I care about it, that's all that matters, because people will see that I care about it, and then they'll be fans, and I can, we can grow, like, exponentially through that, instead of just hoping that they care about it, and then my care comes after that, so. Yeah. And it has been a lot of fun making the podcast, and I'm hoping, because, like, I've thought about it, like, since I've started doing YouTube, and podcasting like more seriously and like actually committing to it i've like thought about the potential of self-employment because like in today's day and age with the internet like podcasting and youtube is such like a relevant thing mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of, i've i know how tough it is to break through and actually make yourself seem like you're nuanced and you're doing something differently and i feel like i haven't made that leap yet where i'm kind of just doing like the same same kind of thing just talking sports talking nonsense but i'm hoping you know eventually this can be like a full-time thing where like I'm gonna, like or, like for like the first few years I'm like working part time and doing this, but then eventually I can you know be a full time content creator. But it's still very early. But it's been a lot of fun doing this. Yeah.
I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I mean, it is. I mean, you're still a sophomore, and yeah. you're already thinking about this. It's uh-huh. just incredible. I mean, most college students aren't really worrying about that. Uh-huh. Um, so what you're doing is fantastic. And also, um, I totally just lost my train of thought. Um, but, yeah, I think um, <clears throat> since you are taking that initiative and really going going beyond what others are doing, um, it's really going to help, and especially since, like, you like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of college students will just find something that they think, like, you know, they're going to make a good living doing. Mm-hmm. But I think you're, like, you're thinking about this as, oh, what do I enjoy doing? Mm-hmm. You like doing the podcast. You like doing YouTube. And I think emphasizing that to people that, like, you potentially want to work with is what really matters most. Yeah. I'm very thankful that I went into college. And granted, you know, community college is much different than, you know, moving on campus. But I'm glad that I was able to go into schooling knowing what I wanted to do because I could not imagine I would not be doing this if I you know went into freshman year doing general studies or if I went if I like did did it took a gap year and like traveled or something like Mm -hmm. I'm glad that I went into these first two years being like I want to be like a sports journalist I want to be a sports broadcaster I got all these opportunities presented to me I was able to build myself up and you know do play-by-play for the college you know have a radio show utilize this tech you know have a relationship with everybody at the radio station like it's very beneficial for college students to be like like to know what you want to do and obviously that, that's a lot of pressure because you know people there's thousands of jobs out there and thousands of possibilities but i think just my one my one advice for like i don't know seniors or juniors in high school like kind of and I, this is a big ask pretty much but like try to go into like try to find something that you can commit yourself to mm. and something that my cousin did he went to salisbury graduated four years marine biology but he's done nothing with marine biology he's like a graphic designer like he like worked for like a brewery and like designed their cans. So it's like, college. It's just college is just the perfect time to like figure figure yourself mm-hmm. out. Like, did you go into Towson like knowing you wanted to do like finance and economics? Absolutely not. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, during my senior year, I really did not know what I wanted to do. Um, I mean, I did I did well in school, mm-hmm. but it was nothing that really spiked my interest. Um, and it was, it was actually my grandfather that helped me, you know, find my interest in finance. I've always been you know savvy with my money. Um, and I think just applying it to like a corporate scene is something that I, I'd want to do. And I, I'm, I'm a very analytical person, really good at math. Um, so I think that that helped me uh, distinguish that. And I honestly, for the college students, I know what they're going to do, like what they want to do after uh, after high school. No, they don't. Yeah, they do not because it changes. So it changes so much. Yeah. I mean, I have people in my college classes that you know, I, I had someone <coughs> in the finance department. I mean, you know, Brody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he actually changed to accounting. Mm-hmm. And he's a junior. He goes, I, I don't want to do finance anymore. I want to do I want to do accounting. I'm mm-hmm. much better at that. And it's it's not it's just what you what you feel like, not what you'd be good at, but what you enjoy doing. Yeah. Because if you spend you know the next forty years doing something that, that you don't like, sure. Yeah. I mean, the living might be great, mm-hmm. but other than that, there's not not really much to it. Um, so, and like you said, I think just college students, um, just trying to find something that they can commit to, mm-hmm. they'll find what they enjoy doing. Yeah, and try to touch all the bases as well, because like like within like your major, because like with like how my major works, it's like it's journalism, new media, and like sa- like sales and advertising. So I'm doing like like I'm learning like Photoshop, le- learning Premiere Pro, like I'm learning all these Adobe functions, yeah. and I'm also like it's a like, big focus on writing. And something that I've kind of like realized this semester is I really, I've always known that I've been like a I like to write, I like creative writing. From one of my video classes, we had to write and direct a short film. And I was, like, the head writer for it and, like, the director for it. And, like, after doing that, and, like, we're still working through. We have, like, a few more scenes to shoot. But, like, I realized, like, I really enjoy creating, um, like, a creative project. Because, like, this, like, podcasting and YouTube, you're kind of talking about what's, like, current events, essentially. Mm 
like primarily sports. I like I love sports, obviously. But with this, like I wrote a story, I'm directing a story, you know, camera work and like coaching actors, and I realized that I kind of like love doing that as well. And that's like presenting like a kind of unique thought to me, where it's like, could I, you know, find a future in film? Because I mean, Trevor, he just told me that he's switching from broadcasting to film, and he's getting like an internship on like a film shoot in like the Inner Harbor. I'm oh like, wow! Well, like I was like surprised when he told yeah. me that because like I I've known that he wanted to do broadcasting for a while. And it's just, like, it's, it's funny that he figured that out, like, the same time that I'm kind of thinking about, like, I really enjoy creative writing and, like, being someone who's, like, on a set and, like, shooting stuff. So, yeah, college is just, I mean, it, it, everybody already knows this pretty much, but it's just, like, a, such a perfect time for you to find yourself yeah. and just try to touch, just, just do everything. Like, do anything that's available to you. And if you have, like, even, like, the smallest interest in doing this, just go ahead and do it. Like, I got, like, my radio show, like, first day of class freshman year, my professor like like had like he barely mentioned the radio station. And after the class, I was like, "Hey, where is that?" And I just went down the hall, talked to Paul, who just poked his head in the window, and he's like, "Hey, can I like, you know, train on the radio at all?" And he gave me like an hour slot on a Tuesday, and I turned into Dave's Faves, which was just you know a, a year of just me having a radio show. So, yeah, college is just it's exciting. Well, and I I think you just proved uh, a great point. Um, this is this is advice for anyone who's. Uh, going into college, graduating from high school, or going into college as, you know, like two years out after uh, after high school, if you really enjoy something and you know you want to do it, you really have to take initiative. Yeah. I think there's a there's a myth that college is just a portal to where employers will come to you mm. and they'll grab you and say, hey, I want you to work for me. Mm-hmm. That's not really the case. Yeah. Th- what they want is they want someone who wants to work with them, has a passion for what they do, and reach out. Um, which is also like the importance of like LinkedIn and also what you do, like mm-hmm. extending, extending your field of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just, you know, like you said, like nothing was introduced to you about like, you know, the podcast studio, but you were interested in it mm-hmm. and you reached out and you say, Hey, can I get an hour to do this? Mm-hmm. And that spiked your interest. It's, you now know what you want to do mm-hmm. and you have people that, you know, that you can potentially network with. I yeah. mean, I just walked by like for two seconds but these guys seem like they could really you know yeah be a great network to you yeah that that is really good like initiative is probably the biggest skill like i don't know if initiative is a skill but like it's the biggest action that any college student could take like if you have any inkling of an interest in anything just take a leap and just be like hey can i like see what this is about you don't have to commit to it like shadow somebody that's doing it or just like i don't know just have them like sit down and talk to you about it for 15 minutes and you could be like wow this is something that like i didn't really know prior to this conversation I wanted to do. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's, like, I mean, I, I keep saying it, but just college is just, like, such a perfect... Because, like, people are, like, scared of college, and, like, there's, like, the whole, like, thing in high school where it's, like, it's not going to be that way in college. But, like, college professors are a thousand times more helpful to me than any high school st- teacher has ever been. Because they just have that extra level of, like, knowledge. Like, they've, they've been around for much longer. Like, all my professors that I've had, like, they've they've been you know, they ha- they've been things other than teachers. Like, my sociology teacher, she's, she was a sociologist. Like, she's gone to, like, different countries and, like, worked with, you know, like, third world countries and, like, the people in those countries and get- gotten to know them and helped them out. And, like, my uh, electronic media professor, like, he's been on TV, he's been on the radio. My video production uh, teacher, he, like, works on a production studio. Like, these, these professors, they've done these things as opposed to just going to school for teaching and then teaching. Like they they spend their time out of outside of the like the campus doing things and it's just so helpful, and they care that much more I feel than high school. Like I'm not trying to you know shit on high school teachers, but like they just there's a, that extra level of like trying to help the student. 
Yeah, it's just it's just so amazing. No, you are absolutely right. I mean, <clears throat> I think every one of my professors was in the professional field prior to uh, being a professor. They mm -hmm. just wanted to provide their professional insight to people. And I'll I've done times where I've met with my professor, not even just talk about assignments, but like ask about their feedback in like a professional setting. Like I've talked to my business communications professor who has done literally everything. Mm. Um, and I'd be like, hey, you can take uh, a look over this assignment. I greatly appreciate it. But also, I want to get your feedback on yada, yada, yada. And they'll provide it. And yeah. exactly what you're saying, teachers are taught to teach mm. just a certain subject. They don't know the professional side of it. Mm. And I think if you decide to pursue college, it doesn't have to be, like, so extreme to where you know what you're going to do immediately. Because you have people that you can talk to to, you know, develop develop you into what you actually want to do yeah that's especially why i think community college is just so beneficial and obviously you know i like most of my friends went away from school because they wanted to you know get out of bel-air they wanted to <clears throat> meet more people but for someone like me who like stays in most of the time and just kind of i like staying at home with my family i like working like community college was just like the perfect opportunity for me to be like i know what i want to do i don't want to spend the money to go away and I want to stay at home and, like, work and, like, just stay with my family. Like, it's just such a, such, a, such a perfect opportunity. And I feel like too many students feel the pressure to go away and be like, you got to get out of Maryland. You got to go to, like, I don't know, Indiana. You got to go to Florida or, like, South Carolina. Yeah. Like, I understand that people that want to get out of town, but, like, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. Like, community college is such a valid thing. And, like, the professors here are professors. Like, they're not just, um, like, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Like, they're the same level of professor as like standard colleges. Like they're not like lesser, and like the cl classes aren't lesser. They're college courses, so it's just it's such like a valid thing that people kind of tend to overlook. And like I, I overlooked it. Like I kind of felt ashamed about going to HCC in my first few months, but now I'm just like, there's no place I'd rather be. Like I don't think I'd be doing what I'd be, be doing if I wasn't at HCC. Yeah. Like it just feels like such the perfect place for someone in my position of like I know what I want to do. But I'm still, you know, kind of wary about going away. So, but yeah, I think that's a good note to end on for college. Yeah. You want to talk about NFL? Talk, about your, talk about your Ravens? Absolutely. I mean, <coughs> I mean this podcast is going to be the, the banter of the birds. Yeah. So, truly. That yeah, is truly. Yeah. So what? Ravens are 9-3. and three. On the bye week, they just beat the Chargers last week. How are you feeling about the Ravens at this point? I, <coughs> I'd be lying if I said I, uh, I wasn't confident in my Ravens. I think they're doing something special. I think their defense, at least, uh, at least for this season, is something special. Mm. I mean, they've been compared by like you know, uh, Shannon Sharp, Stephen A. Smith to the two thousand Ravens, yeah. who went and won the Super Bowl just on their defense. Yeah, I mean, their back then their offense was uh, was nothing, mm. but their defense led them to wins. Um, and I think the Ravens' defense is is very solid. Yeah, it's been shown in several games. I think the Ravens' offense is great too. Oh yeah, um, but. I think you know this by by being a, a Marylander. Yeah. Uh, the Ravens tend to beat themselves a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's it's been frustrating to watch. I mean, uh, losing to the Browns, the Steelers, um, and, and the Colts. It was. It's just. It's incredibly painful because we have the potential to be a championship team. Yeah. Um, but there's just some things that we just do, and as like as just, uh, as a viewer, what are you like? What are you doing? Yeah. Like why would you, like, I'm trying to think of some key examples. Um, like during the Colts game, uh, it was a it was a really crappy day. It was incredibly rainy. It was disgusting, um, and I forgot what happened. I think the Colts um, they like muffed a punt, mm. and 
besides besides the rainy conditions, you would expect the Ravens to just you know dive on that ball, mm-hmm. but they didn't. Mm. And I I'm sorry I, I can't really describe the details. Those a couple weeks. I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't even remember. I, I feel like because it was overtime that they lost to a field goal in yeah. overtime, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it was the Gardner Minshew game, wasn't it? Because yeah. Richardson had been down at that point. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so the offense was was just stagnant. I mean, we could not go anywhere. But when we had the opportunity to get a recovery, um, we just couldn't get it. Like what I'm talking about, like they muffed a punt. And instead of the Ravens just diving on that ball, like we need to score. Mm. They're trying to like grab with their hands mm. in like the most sloppy conditions. And I stood up and I was watching it from home. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like we just lost because of that. Yeah. Um, but I think besides the really bad losses, I think they're really tuning it up. And I think Roquan Smith is really down, like, to, uh, I mean, I think he is the key aspect of their defense. Mm. A lot of people have compared him to Ray Lewis. Yep. He just, he can read an offense. Yep. He can, he can monitor um, what plays they're doing. And also he's just, he can get the defense together and really, really give the offense hell. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. Um, I don't. I don't want to say just yet that they're going to be a Super Bowl contender because mm-hmm. there's still a lot of weeks left and yeah. we have a really tough schedule. Yeah, but um, that's what I have for the Ravens. Um, I have faith in them, but we'll just we'll just see how it goes week by week. My biggest thing as like an Eagles fan, like outside looking in, like I'm obviously not a Ravens fan. I'm not watching the Ravens games, but I'm watching. You know, all of my friends pretty much are Ravens fans, and I'm able to watch. You know, as a football fan, seeing what's going on, like. In the Lamar era, at least, it feels like the biggest enemy of the Ravens is injuries late in the season. And, like, it, it feels like every year, like, it's it's, it's, it's just kind of, like, formulaic. Like, they, they start out these first, like, 13, 14 weeks, like, looking really good. They're viewed as these Super Bowl contenders. But then, boom, big injury. Like, you know, Mark Andrews is down. J.K. Dobbins is down week one. And, like, Lamar's actually been, you know, very surprisingly very healthy this week. I don't, I don't mean to jinx anything, but, like, it just feels like, the Ravens' worst enemy is just injuries down the stretch. And I'm just very curious to see if they can maintain this and if there w- were to be, like, you know, even, like, a minor injury. Like, it wasn't, like, Kyle Hamilton down for a few weeks? Yeah, he was um, – it was Hamilton was out for a week or so, and then uh, the other safety, Marcus Williams, yeah. had, had a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. And he was a big pickup in the offseason, and he was injured. Um, we were able to, you know, win a couple games without him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean – Hamilton has been a key part of our defense, too. Yeah. And I think going along with what you said about how injuries late in the season are really killing us, I mean, when I saw Mark Andrews go down, I knew something was bad. Yeah. He, he's pretty he's pretty resistant to injury. Um, and he is just, a, I mean, he's Lamar's number one guy. Yeah. Um, and I, I love how Lamar has been adapting to, like, the various receivers. Like, they've mm-hmm. been using Odell Beckham a lot, yeah. which has been incredible, mm-hmm. really showing him that he's still someone in his prime. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's – Odell was – playing on an injury against the Chargers, but he was still putting up numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I um, I think just late-season injuries really kill us, but I think what the Ravens do best is doing late-season signings. Yeah. Um, in the past, we uh, we signed Jason Pierre-Paul last year because I think, oh, what was, it might have been Calais Campbell was, uh, was injured or so, um, and we had to rebound by picking up something like someone like him, and he really mm-hmm. helped. Yeah. Um, and I think... Um, as an Eagles fan, this might this might you guys say Zach Ertz? Yeah, Zach. I don't Ertz. think so. You don't I, think so? I, I think Howie's gonna scoop him up, especially since Dallas Goddard's down for the next like he has another few weeks. And like I like Jack Stoll, like I like our backup tight ends, but I just feel like I don't know. It's, I feel like it's all coming together for picking up Zach Ertz. Yeah. I'm very curious, you know, he, he just got released yesterday, so we'll see. But like one of my friends on Twitter, he said that Zach Ertz is gonna be picked up by the Ravens, but I don't know. I think. It just feels right that we're going to pick him up for like one final ride, get a yeah. second ring. That is a good point. I, I, I was, I'm, I'm not very surprised that you, you said that Zach Ertz is going to be picked up. But it's cool to see 
like 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 I said, like injuries down the stretch seem to hurt the Ravens especially. But I feel like Lamar and like you said, like the the team's adapting to this. Like Mark Andrews is Lamar's number one guy. But you know, last week he you know he gets Zay Flowers two touchdowns. Yeah. Like they actually have a pretty good receiving core now. And obviously, you know, one of the biggest issues for some of your losses this year has been the drop catches. But Zay Flowers seems to be, you know, probably the best wide receiver that you guys have seen over the last like what like five years. I, I mean, at, at least for at least for draft picks, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, past draft picks that we had that have kind of busted. I mean, Rashad Bateman's a, a key a key draft pick that we had. We thought he was going to do great. He did great in his first season, but ever since then, he's been kind of he's been kind of mm-hmm. kind of quiet. Yeah. Um, but Zay Flowers has really been showing off. I think what people really like about him and what I like about him is his elusiveness after the catch. Yeah. And that's why he's he's so scary. Yeah. I mean, he's a small guy, but he's able to you know move past these defenders and get a lot more after like a really like small drag route. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he's been a top receiver for us, mm-hmm. um, and he's really been helpful. Uh, also, I think just because of the Mark Andrews injury, we've been seeing more of Isaiah Likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, they picked up picked him up from Coastal Carolina. And of course, he was in the shadows of Mark Andrews because you know, if, if Andrews is held, they're going to put him in. Yeah. But I think you know when they played Los Angeles, you saw him getting just a lot of short passes, and he mm-hmm. was able to elude a lot of the tackles for you know to gain I don't know ten extra yards. Yeah. So I think if I think with that, you know, having players that are able to make more yards after the catch, and also our new offensive coordinator Todd Monken is doing an exceptional job. Oh yeah, at really running this Ravens offense. I was excited when I, I mean, when they heard they picked him up after Georgia won the national championship. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I think the Ravens, their offense has always been struggling, but they're able to make it work. But I think firing Greg Roman. Yeah. Don't want to say the name ever again. Yeah. Uh, picking up Todd Monken and also just you know really finding these. These hidden gems in the draft. Yeah, I mean, no one really thought Zay Flowers was going to do much. Yeah. Yeah, from Boston College. I mean, mm-hmm. it's nothing like like Alabama or, or Ohio State. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is what excites me most about uh, the Ravens. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Zay Flowers is like coming out of the draft. I feel like a lot of people compared his size, at least, to like Marquise Brown. And the big thing about Marquise Brown was just kind of his inability to take contact and like kind of he like straight away from contact but it seems say flowers is willing to you know take a hit for you know the extra five yards which i think is you know beneficial because you know you look at a smaller wide receiver like him and you think oh you know he's just gonna get you know these like slants and just run a few yards out of bounds but he seems to be you know running through contact and he, he wants to he wants to win yeah. and i feel like marquise brown never really had that feeling mm-hmm. and i feel like this ravens team has some of the best depth and that's that's kind of contributing to um the success this year and also kind of you know counteracting you know my thoughts of injuries hurting you guys because you know I'm surprised you know that you guys were able to kind of it looked like you're staying afloat after the Mark Andrews injury and even the JK Dobbins like losing him week one like that's insane but then you have guys like what's his name Keaton Mitchell yeah Gus Edwards like these guys are stepping up and I feel like especially since you know this team has stayed pretty consistent over the last few years like the chemistry is building Lamar's getting confident and like Lamar I love Lamar like I loved him in Louisville but I was definitely someone like I kind of like tend to be a Ravens hater just because Trevor is an Eagles hater and it gets on my nerves. <laughs> yeah. So like I'll just I, I tend to you know kind of you know take a pessimistic stance against the Ravens, but he's really surprised me this year because I was saying like when he got that that big contract, I was a little salty though because it was bigger than Jalen Hurts' contract. But I was saying like he's gonna get overpaid chance like week nine, but he's he's showing out and like he's he's being viewed as an MVP candidate. I think that's a little heinous. I I, I think you know he may be around like the three or four range, and obviously I'm someone who believes Jalen Hurts is the MVP because, you know, obviously he's my QB1, but Lamar's really surprised me this year. And this Ravens team, it definitely feels like the best team since 2019. Well, I, uh, 2019 was just a roller coaster for me. Yeah. I remember going every week and them just blowing out teams. It was yeah. incredible. I mean, 
Lamar, he was a great passer. He was a great rusher. And they just they just connected so well. And it sucked that, that, that they lost. I, I believe it was the Titans that, mm-hmm. that, that took him out. And now the Titans are, are god-awful, mm-hmm. of course. Um, but, yeah, I think I think the Ravens have really rebounded from that 2019 season. Uh, Lamar's definitely become a, a, a much better passer. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and he's been more conscious with the ball. I think he would be in the MP, MVP running if he didn't f- – you know, fumble the ball so much. Mm-hmm. I feel like he he has like butterfingers all the time because he's either eluding pressure um, and he loses the ball or something else happens. Um, so ball security is an issue for him, but he's been, I mean, the way he eludes pressure uh, is just phenomenal. And I think that makes him still a threat. And I know like since 2019 and the, the seasons after everyone was saying, well, they're, they're going to, they're going to catch up to him. They, mm-hmm. they know he's going to rush. Yeah. But they ha- I haven't really seen a team that really stopped him efficiently. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when we played the Chargers last week, I know you know Khalil Mack was all over him. Yeah. He was still able to make plays. Yeah, and that's and I think that's why we, we won. Like it, it might not be like the the standard play call, but like if you like evade pressure for a little bit and you find Zay Flowers in the end zone twice, I mean that goes to show that like we might not be like the most formulaic team. Like I feel like the Eagles are a lot more formulaic than than, than the Ravens, mm-hmm. but you know we we get it done. Mm-hmm. I feel like Lamar has, like, a nonchalantness about him in the pocket where, you know, and that kind of, you know, tends to help and hurt him a little bit, I feel, because, like, this is, like, a big comparison, but when I think of, like, nonchalantness in the pocket, I think of, like, Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers, as you know, he's, like, a big sidearm guy. He just kind of lofted over. I feel like Lamar has a similar way about him. Like, he's a very casual passer, mm-hmm. and he's not gunning it like like a Josh Allen. Like, Josh Allen, like, just throwing bullets. But Lamar, you know, he takes his time. He's able to find receivers and gives him a nice ball. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helps and hurts because, you know, with the receiver drops being such a serious issue, you know, you may want, you know, a tighter, pa- like a tighter pass, but, you know, I think, yeah, I think Lamar's definitely improved this year. And it's, it's been, it's been cool to see, you know, a Ravens team that doesn't, you know, immediately break the hearts of Ravens fans, but we'll see, you know, how they turn out down the stretch. Yeah. So, um, I think that was a great conversation about the Ravens, but I got to hear your input on the Eagles. Yeah. Um, that game against Buffalo was phenomenal. Dude, I think that was the most stressed out I've been watching Eagles game since the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was a better... I feel like that was a better game than the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl was kind of like a back and forth kind of thing, and like obviously I just have very mixed feelings about the Super Bowl since we lost and the way that it ended with the James Bradbury hold on Juju Smith-Schuster mm. and all the fallout after that with Juju going on Twitter and just being like an asshat. I'm, I hate him so much, but yeah. like yeah, that game against Buffalo was insane, and I hate to see kind of fans of the game kind of like discrediting the win that the Eagles had because of the refs because the refs have a hand in every football game. Every like every year, mm-hmm. like there's a call that you know. Cha- same thing with injuries. Like people tend to discredit wins and losses due, due to injuries, but it's just that's how sports are. Like there's refs, umpires, for a reason, and like their input, you know, either hurts or helps the game. But I mean, like you know, sure, like there's the there's the horse collar, you know, the missed horse collar, but he didn't even, oh, he didn't even yeah. grab it. Like Hassan Reddick like grabbed like the jersey right below the horse collar, but it's just like it was such a phenomenal game. Jalen Hurts is. That touchdown pass to eliminate Zacchaeus in the third quarter, dude, I jumped out of my seat. I could not believe, like, people tend to discredit Jalen Hurts passing because, you know, he's kind of viewed as this, you know, t- like, there's like there's a narrative, uh, like, early in the season, like, the Eagles have two pla- like two plays, deep balls to A.J. Brown or the tush push, but, like, we're much more than that, and that's why we're 10-1. and one. Yeah. Like, you can't really discredit a 10-1 and one team. And, like, sure, our one loss was to the Jets. Probably the worst football game I've watched in the last, like, five years. <laughs> I could not believe that game. Nothing was clicking. And, like, I've when I, when I talk about the Eagles with, like, some of my friends and coworkers, like, I say the reason we're so successful this year is because no matter what, 
one side of the ball is going to show up every game. Like, besides the Jets game, even, even the Jets game, our defense showed up, but our offense was terrible. But every week, either the offense and defense shows up or one or the other, and that's why we win. Like, a good example of the defense not showing up was those two commanders' wins. We allowed the commanders to score 30-plus points in both of them, and we still won because our offense is so potent and effective. Mm-hmm. Like, in the, the second commanders' game, you know, able to do the tush-push fake and have DeAndre Swift run, run to the left side. Like, this Eagles team... I, I feel like this is an unpopular opinion, but I feel it, it, it's a better football team than the Super Bowl, than the NFC Championship team. Like, it just feels, something just feels different. And I've talked about this a bunch on the, on the podcast. I've, I, I've used this argument to, you know, boost my feelings about the Orioles next season. But, like, obviously the Orioles lost in the ALDS. It wasn't the World Series. But when you lose on the biggest stage, which is, which is the postseason, it gives you the motivation to win it even more next year. And I think, you know, with the Orioles, like I'm preparing to go on an Orioles tangent here a little bit, but, like, getting Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, Cedric Mullins, Santander, all of our young guys, that postseason experience, especially since they're so young. Like, Gunnar's mm-hmm. 22 years old. Adley's 25. They both just won Silver Sluggers. Gunnar won Rookie of the Year. Like, giving those young guys postseason experience that early is huge for their confidence. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, with Jalen Hurts, with him being, like, one of the most, like, mentally sound athletes I've had the pleasure of being a fan of like his mentality is insane like he's like he has like the the air of like this like 70 year old man like he has so many like proverbs that he speaks he's just so well spoken and giving him I don't like it sounds weird to say the chance to lose the Super Bowl allows like it just like fuels his motivation to win and just it just feels different this year you know second full year of AJ and Jalen Hurts, you know, we you know we lost some guys, but we got Jalen Carter in the draft. We got Nolan Smith. We got these Georgia Cats, you know, building up our defense. Uh, and honestly, I think the biggest loss from last year is losing Shane Steichen, because I like Brian Johnson. You know, he's been with the, with the team as quarterback coach. He has a relationship with Jalen Hurts, but this offense is not the same as it was last year. Mm-hmm. Not even close. Like Shane Steichen calls a good offense. That's why the Colts' offense has been pretty solid, especially when Anthony Richardson is healthy. But like, this team just feels better on all fronts, just because you get that motivation of losing the Super Bowl and coming back like, we're going to win it all this year. And that's, that, that's the mentality. Like, and this team is, there's no, like, me ball. It's all, like, us. Like, it, 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 it's a team. We don't have any divas, really. And it's, there's been people saying, like, A.J. Brown having those, like, tantrums on the sideline, but he really just wants to win. And he's just kind of, he's frustrated with himself. It's just, I don't know, it just feels different watching this year. I'm excited to see how the rest of this year goes. Well, I mean, they are for sure a dangerous team. Yeah. And if it comes down to a Ravens-Eagles Super Bowl, I am going to be shaking in my boots. I, I can tell you that. And and like you said, like how Jalen Hurts is so composed. Mm-hmm. When I see him on the sideline after a bad drive, I'm like, is this, is this guy going to blink? Yeah. Like, he is so focused. Mm-hmm. And he has the mentality of someone who's like like a 10-year veteran. Yeah. It's it's scary. Mm-hmm. And he gets the job done. And that one pass to Zacchaeus, that gave me flashbacks to Kyler Murray, to DeAndre Hopkins, and the mm. Cardinals. Yeah. It looked exactly the same. Yeah. And even a receiver like Zacchaeus, who's kind of flying under the radar, I think he used to be part of uh, the Falcons, right? Yep. He, just for their players to stand out like that and really, you know, score and really just make an impact like it doesn't have to be like an AJ Brown touchdown or a Devontae Smith players are able to you know step to the plate and really score I think it's something special that the Eagles have and I hate how people say like oh all they have is the touch push mm-hmm. that's a great play like yeah <laughs> Dude, I, I, I can't believe like the the hate against it because it's like they're just mad that they can't do it exactly. and, and there's been like across the league there's been like I feel like there's been like what like three successful ones everybody's trying to run it like the Colts are running a few times 
feel like the the Giants have ran it a few times, but they like they like injured their O lineman in the play. Like Jalen Hurts is probably the strongest quarterback in the league. We have the best O line in the league. Have had the best O line in the league for like the last pa- yeah. five seasons. J- Jason Kelsey is the best center of all time. We have Lane Johnson. We just got these strong guys up front. Jordan Mailata. Uh Like it's just, and like everybody says it. Like if if they could run it, they would, but nobody else can. Like you can't really punish or be upset about the fact that a team like the like the Eagles has found a way to maximize the talents of their their their, their players. And like the thing with like our offense, how you're saying like Zacchaeus is flying under the radar, but he's still like a weapon. We signed Rashad Penny in the offseason, and he's maybe had, like, five touches all year. And I'm very curious to see, you know, maybe later in the season we whip him out like, with fresh legs and just be like, oh, yeah, so we have Swift, we have Kenneth Gainwell, we have Boston Scott, and we have Rashad Penny. And we have Jalen Hurts, who's a weapon on the rush. And we have A.J. Brown, who's one of the best wide receivers in the league. And Devontae Smith, he's probably my favorite Eagle. I love what he brings to this team. Like, he'd be a wide receiver one probably on the Ravens probably on like 80% of the NFL. Like he is just such an underrated player and he's just, you know, he has the, like, I wouldn't say it's unfortunate, but he just flies under the radar of someone like A.J. Brown who is heralded with, you know, the likes of Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson. Like this team, like the Ravens, has just so much depth and just so much chemistry. Like it just feels, I don't know, it just feels good. Yeah. Like, like last year was probably my favorite season. Like, because like 2017, like obviously we won the Super Bowl. I was elated but like, I wasn't watching every game like I am now just because, like, I was, you know, still, like, I was, like, 2017, I was, what, I was, like, 13 years old. I was, like, still, you know, I wasn't really, you know, paying attention to every game. But now, like, last season was, like, the first season that I really, like, had time and, like, had the ability to watch every game, you know, with my, like, illegal streaming sites. <laughs> like, last season was, like, my favorite season as an Eagles fan. But this season, it feels even better. I don't, I don't know what it is. It just, something just feels different. Yeah. And it's just, it's just super cool to watch. And, but, I mean, out of all of... The uh, the NFC teams, I think the Eagles. I mean, at least for me, is who I'd want to win. I have family that likes the Eagles, and mm-hmm. I I respect for them. I think they're an incredibly creative team. I think you're talking about how they're able to, you know, score so highly with like different different plays. And I know I sound like a broken record, but the Philly special is still something to be admired. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's really good for the Eagles. I'm excited for you mm-hmm. to see how far they go, but the one thing that is concerning me is the San Francisco 49ers. They are looking a lot more stout. They signed Chase Young. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they have Fred Warner. They have Their defense is so stout, and their offense is recuperating, too, I think, with the return of Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, and Christian McCaffrey is obviously a lethal weapon. So do you think um, that the Eagles are going to be able to rebound, even though they beat them last year in the mm-hmm. NFC Championship? Do you think you know they're going to have trouble with them this season? I hope not. I'm going to the game this Sunday, actually. I'm super excited. And I think the thing with the Eagles is that they find ways to win. And, like, you know, we go against teams like the Cowboys, who besides, you know, the loss to the Eagles have looked like one of the best teams in the NFC. And I hate to say that, but Dak's been playing at a really high level. I hate to admit that because mm-hmm. I hate Dak Prescott. I hate the Cowboys. Yeah. And, like, you know, like the Niners have looked really good. And I, I'm someone who thinks that Brock Perry's a bit of a fraud. And I, I was very happy to see those three straight losses and being like, yeah, you know what? If he loses those weapons. And obviously, like, I hate to you know use hypotheticals, but just I just feel like he's a a plug-in quarterback. Like you you could plug in probably eighty like probably like some of the best D one quarterbacks into the 49ers offense, and they'd find a way to succeed as long as they put balls on target. And like Brock Purdy just kind of seems like a a regular Joe. Like he's like yeah. a just like a seventy five overall quarterback. Like he's really not doing much. And I just think I don't know. Like this 49ers team, like I see why they're so good. Christian McCaffrey, like even. You know when they lost so like badly after losing Brock Purdy in that NFC Championship game, he was like he had that play before Brock Purdy went down where he like it was like a rush at the thirty and he like broke like 
six tackles all the way to the end zone. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was so mad. Like, he's, like, an MVP candidate in my book. Like, it's, it's insane to see what he's doing. Like, it's like Jonathan Taylor's season on, like, steroids. It's ridiculous to see yeah. how he succeeded. And I'm still mad that they were able to get him from the Panthers. I can't believe that that trade even happened. But, like, yeah, like, it's just they're a good team, but I just – I don't know. I just – obviously I have incredibly biased feelings about my Eagles. Like, I, I can't I, – I don't go into any game thinking that we're going to lose. But I just feel like we just adapt so well. And, like, I think what's going to happen on Sunday – like, every game it feels like against, like, you know, the teams that, you know, is destined to beat the Eagles. Like, we're, we may have a sloppy first half, but then we're going to have those halftime adjustments, and then Jalen Hurts is going to lock in the second half, Jalen, and, you know, just lead us to victory. Yeah. Or we may just come out the gate, you know, because, like, the, the Niners have been talking nonstop since that loss. And, like, it's just a little frustrating because, like I said earlier in the episode, like, injuries and refs play a role in everything. And, like, you can't really be mad that you lost if you're if you're blocking Hassan Reddick, who had, like, 12 sacks last year with a tight end. Like, he's going to get the Brock Purdy, and he's going to break his MCL or tear his MCL, whatever. Like, you can't be mad about that. Like, mm-hmm. that was a offensive coordinator's mistake. And, like, it's just it's just annoying to hear them talking their asses off. And, like, Debo Samuel's just been really cocky, calling James Bradbury trash. But, like, Debo Samuel has been injured most of the year. He's played, like, garbage. Like, I, I like, he's just so – it's just very annoying. And I hope that the Eagles can just shut their mouths. Yeah. But I know no matter the result, like, I think sports – just like talk is just going to be like a toxic wasteland for like the next week like no matter the result like I feel like the e- if the Eagles win when the Eagles win it's going to be you know a lot of mis- discrediting like whatever happens and if the Niners win it's going to be immediately calling the Eagles frauds when they're, they're going to be tenant to if that happens yeah like it's just so annoying yeah and I stand by this opinion Rock Purdy is a systems quarterback yeah I mean why do you think they call him Mr. Irrelevant? Yeah. For I mean, because he, he was a nobody. And if you put him for, for example, before C.J. Stroud, you put him with the Houston Texans, he'd be god-awful. Yeah. You know he would. Yeah. And C.J. Stroud, I think he's doing something special in Houston, uh-huh. I think because they actually have some weapons. Yeah. But him on the 49ers, it's just, it's boosting his ego and boosting the fans' ego, too. And yeah. I hate to say this on the pod, I'm not a big fan of Eagles fans. Except yeah. you. You you are an exception, but most Eagles fans talk a lot of trash. But I don't like the 49ers. I think ever since the Ravens 49ers Super Bowl in 2012, mm. um, I've just never had respect for them. Mm. Um, and it still continues today. I don't really like Kyle Shanahan that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, I mean, I'll definitely be watching the game this Sunday. Is it a 425? Yeah. Yeah, I will de- definitely be watching and rooting for the Eagles. And I think Purdy's overrated. I, I'm glad that like, I, I, I don't have really any hate towards Brock Purdy besides the fact that, you know, I don't like like I don't hate these people as people, and I'm glad that I haven't really seen them like talk that much smack. He's just yeah. kind of been like, I feel like I haven't really seen like any interview of him. He's just kind of there, like he's just like a like I said, like a, just a plug-in quarterback. He's just a, he's just a dude. Like he, you, you could probably find a quarterback like him on the streets, and that's probably an insane thing to say. And that's probably you know fulfilled with hate for the Niners, but it's just I don't know. He's just a, kind of like a nobody. I'm glad that you know he hasn't really been talking that much smack. But like all Bay Area fans are kind of trash. Like as a Kings fan. Like, I'm playing, like, we've played the Golden State Warriors 11 times in our last 25 games. We had the, we had the seven-game series with them in the playoffs, and we played them already four times in our first, like, 17 games. And, like, Warriors fans, yeah, well, they are delusional. And yeah. obviously, you know, they are blessed to have one of the best point guards of all time. Like, Steph Curry, I hate to say it, he is first or second best court, the best uh, point guard of all time. Mm-hmm. But they're just insane. And like, Draymond Green is always, like, you know, he stomped on DeMontis Sabonis' chest. He's like, you know, he like kicks Steven Adams in the nuts. Like he's like a dirty player, but they always find a way to defend him somehow. And like, like Steve Kerr and like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry never seem to de- denounce what Draymond Green does. It's just like, yeah, Bay Area fans are bad. And like, 
I haven't really seen anything bad about Giants fans, like San Francisco, San Francisco Giants, but, like, I don't know. Like, it's just California just kind of sucks, besides Sacramento. Yeah, I um, I honestly, I have no hate towards the San Francisco Giants. Mm. I, I have no problem with them. Uh, when they were a powerhouse back in, I don't even know what year it was. Was that, like, 2014? 2014? Yeah, they won, like, they won 2010, 2012, and 2014, I yeah. think. Um, I have nothing wrong with them. I don't like the Warriors. I think it's like those uh, Golden State Warriors are like the the um, like the tw- mid twenty tens New England Patriots of the mm. NBA. Like they're so good, and it excuses them for like doing horrible things. Yeah. Like, like the the whole Deflate Gate. Yeah. I know that's a very dated topic, but still, like the Patriots got away with a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and just because they're such a big team that wins all the time, they are excused from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard a lot about Draymond Green. I'm not really big into the NBA, but I know he's done some. some Dude, more, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's it's kind of it's kind of scary that they just you know are letting it happen. I mean, I don't know what the what the penalties for him have been, but he just got out of a five game suspension. And what he did was it was they were playing the Timberwolves, and Clay Thompson like got like the ball stripped away, and then Jaden McDaniels on the Timberwolves like was running out, and he got like a little tangle with Clay Thompson, and like Clay like shoved him. And then, like, it kind of sc- caused a scuffle, and Rudy Gobert, the Timberwolves center, came in and kind of, like, break it up. And then Draymond put Rudy in a headlock. I saw that. Dude, yeah. Like, he's just, like, always looking for a reason to just, like, cause an issue. And I think it was because Steph Curry was out that game. Like, people are just saying, like, when Steph's out, like, Draymond's just looking for a reason to, like, kind of make himself in the spotlight. And I am so, so excited for when the Warriors, like, when for when Steph Curry retires. And, like, Clay Thompson's already kind of just, like, out of his prime, like he's just been so ass this year, and it's, just, it's, it's been great to see. And they haven't really been that good. They're under five hundred. The Kings just beat them uh, this past week uh, to advance in the in season tournament, which has been pretty cool. It's been cool to see like an in season sort of thing. But I'm just so glad when the Warriors' time is over. And it's been so frustrating to see that they like they won in 2022, and I was just like stunned that they were still able to keep themselves afloat after you know because they won 2015, 2017, 2018 with Kevin Durant. And just to see them win in 2022 was just like, that's just, I was so mad. Well, like, I couldn't believe it. It's with every sports team. If you see a team win constantly, they get annoying. It's like yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs. I can't stand the Chiefs. Yeah. I used to have a lot of respect for them during, like, the Tony Gonzalez era. Yeah. Um, but still, like, that Super Bowl, I honestly, I didn't really care who won. That last Super Bowl was the Eagles and Chiefs. I mean, I kind of wanted the Eagles to win. But, like, when the Chiefs won, it made me so mad. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't like Mahomes. The whole Kelsey and Taylor Swift thing drives me up a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just goes to show, like, if teams continue to win, like, people want to see variety. Mm-hmm. Like, when when the Eagles beat the Patriots mm-hmm. with Nick Foles, I was so excited. Yeah. And I that was when I wasn't really too, like, I didn't really look into football that much. But when I watched the game, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, and especially with the Warriors, like, if I had a dollar for every time I seen just like a little kid, like a five year old kid with like a Golden State Warriors sweatshirt, mm-hmm. I'd be a millionaire. Yeah. And I just I don't like bandwagon teams like that. Yeah. And I mean Steph Curry, like like I said, he's one of the best point guards of all time and he revolutionized the game. Like you're seeing these kids, you know, shoot deep threes because of Steph, because he like kind of normalized it because the rate that he's hitting threes is just ridiculous. And it's just so casual. Like watching the seven game series where the Kings lost to them in the last playoffs, like I was like I couldn't believe some of the shots he was getting off. Because he'll just like He'll get the ball off of, like, a pick and roll, and he'll just dribble around in a circle and then just shoot one up, like, kind of just, like, off one foot and just goes in, like, a, just like a switch. I'm just like, I can't believe this. I'm just so ready for him to be out of the league. Because ideally, when he's out of the league, the King's prime is just hitting mm-hmm. because, like, finally we're good. Like, I've been a fan of them since 2017, and, like, this past year was, like, our first year of actually being, like, 
good. You know, we were the, we were the three seed in the West. De'Aaron Fox, clutch player of the year. Mike Brown, coach of the year. Like, we were a good basketball team. And this year, we're even better, I feel like. And I'm just glad that, ideally, as the Warriors are starting to go down, the Kings are going to go up. Because yeah. the Kings definitely feel like the best team in California at this point. Like, the Clippers have been struggling. The Lakers, like, LeBron's, like, really the only good player on that team right now. Like, Anthony Davis has just kind of, like, been not very good. Like, he can't play defense anymore. It's just very cool to see a team that I followed for so long, like, being bad for those first, like, four seasons of my yeah. fandom finally start to, you know, mm-hmm. pick it up. And I can be like, I've been here. Like, I'm not just picking it up on this year. Like, I've been a Kings fan. So it's just, it's very rewarding. Yeah. I mean, and fans like change. That, yeah. yeah. That's all I'm going to say. They, they like seeing different people. Win. Yeah. Like, parody is one of the most valuable things in sports. And that's why, like, I'm not, like, I talked about some on my last episode, but that's why I'm not, like, a, as big a fan of college sports because there's such a lack of parity in those sports. Because, mm-hmm. like, in college football, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, and, like, I don't even know. Like, like, like Michigan, Ohio State, yeah. all these top teams like they're are always going to be good. Yeah, exactly. like college basketball, Kansas, Duke, Kentucky. I mean, even UConn. Like, UConn won this past year, and they won back in, uh, I think, like, 2014. Like, college sports, like... The draw that college, like the colleges have to these top players, is so much different than NFL. Because with the NFL and like NBA, you're getting drafted to these teams. But with college, you can choose where to go. And especially with the NIL deals being a thing now, like these these colleges are going to have a much better chance of acquiring these players. So it's just like, I just can't. I don't really care about college sports that much because I'm, I'm going into most of the seasons like being like, oh, well, I know that Duke's going to be good. I know that Kentucky's going to be good. Yeah. And like I'm like a Virginia fan for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like Virginia basketball has been pretty good most of my life. Virginia lacrosse especially has been really good. And like lacrosse is a little different. Like there's a, a little bit more parity in that than the other sports, which mm-hmm. I'm happy about. And I think the same thing with college baseball. Since those sports are much less covered than the basketballs and the uh, footballs of like, you know, college, it's just kind of frustrating that, yeah. you know, the sports that actually have parity aren't getting that much coverage. Yeah. I think the NHL also has some pretty a pretty good amount of parity like the, like the golden knights won the avalanche the lightning came out of nowhere winning these championships so parity is probably the most valuable thing in sports absolutely like, like no one wants to see these teams winning mm-hmm. so for i think the mlb is also a pretty good example like we haven't had a back-to-back champion since the yankees in the late 90s which has been really cool mm. and i'm hoping the orioles can win next year yeah because i don't know the the uh, like the ownership is not really giving me that much faith in retaining Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman. Like, there really hasn't been... Like, the day that I wake up to a Jeff Passan, like, Gunnar Henderson's been extended, you know, 11 years for whatever million amount of dollars, I'm going to be the happiest man alive. Exactly. Like, I... I'm going to lose my marbles if I ever wake up to a day that Gunnar Henderson is not wearing the orange and black. Even, like, especially Adley Rutschman, I think. I think I'd rather see... Actually, I don't know. Would you rather see Gunnar Henderson be a lifetime Oriole or Adley Rutschman? Gunnar Henderson. Yeah. He's just so much more versatile and he yeah. he has shown that he can play. Yeah. He I was mean, the only the only one that showed up besides like Jorge Mateo in the playoffs, which is really cool to see. Yeah. I mean, no, after that the the up and down season that Mateo had, I'm glad to see that he uh he was able to produce a little bit. Yeah, but definitely definitely Gunnar Henderson. I think everyone kinda uh gawks at uh Adley Rushman because, you know, he's just this this big guy, he's he's so awesome. But Gunnar mm-hmm. Henderson is doing it behind the scenes. No one really looked at him until he won rookie of the year. Yeah. And, I mean, just some of the plays, like, I would watch the Orioles, like, I think they really got me back into baseball. And just watching what he could do, he could hit. He mm-hmm. could field anywhere. Mm-hmm. He reminds me of, um, uh, you know, you know Ryan Flaherty yeah. in the Orioles? He, now, Ryan Flaherty. Not, not a good not, hitter. Not a great hitter. Good defender. But he, he was a great defender. Yeah. He was versatile. And that's what I see in Gunnar Henderson. Yeah. I, he's definitely going to end up, I think he's going to end up staying at third base eventually. 
because once Jackson Holiday's up, they're probably going to stick him at shortstop. Or mm-hmm. we could see them flip-flop because I think Brandon Hyde is very willing to, you know, move our guys around. Like Santander has played DH, left field, right field, mm-hmm. first base. Like he likes his utility guys. And that's why I think Mateo is probably going to stay with us for a few more years because he's a plug-and-play kind of guy. Like we saw him at short and second mm-hmm. and third. We saw him in the out. We saw him in center field when Cedric Mullins was down. Yeah. Like Brandon Hyde really enjoys the guys that are utility-based. But going back to the adler Rutschman like Gunnar Henderson combo, I, I actually don't know who I'd rather see like on this team for longer because like there's been a kind of comparison of comparing Buster Posey to Adley Rutschman in terms of like the air about them and like the impact that they have because I feel like the reason that our pitching this year was better than it had been in the past few years was because Adley was behind the dish and also picking up someone like James McCann who's also a pretty good you know he, he's, he's a much better defensive catcher I think than Adley mm-hmm. like Adley's kind of had his struggles with you know picking off runners but you know he's really good at blocking he's, he's a pretty good framer but I just think and I, I'm not. I don't think I can make a decision on Gunner or Adley, but I just think I don't. I, like obviously, you know, I want to see both of them like spend their entire careers in Baltimore. But it's just like the imp- like we haven't really seen a player like Adley in the MLB in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like someone who, you know, he's probably the he's the best hitting catcher in baseball. Yeah. Both sides of the plate. You know, he walks a lot. Has really good eye. Doesn't strike out too much. You know, he's able to you know hit the long ball. Hits a lot of doubles. He gets on base a lot. Like it's just. It's it's and obviously you know we had to live through tanking for, I think like what like four or five seasons to get these players, but it's just it's now that they're finally up in the big leagues, it just feels like, it's just payment for living through those just terrible yeah. years. And I, it's cool to see what Mike Elias has done, and I'm very curious to see how they do in the off season, like who they sign. It's like obviously we you know we want to get those top pitching guys like Blake mm-hmm. Snell, yeah, and I think who else who else is a free agent this year? Like I think. Like Jordan Montgomery, there's there's a bunch of free agent pitchers this year. I just, I hope that this is the year that we're finally like, like that Angelos opens the checkbook. But obviously that's very wishful thinking because he hasn't in the past. Yeah. Like our signings, at least in the past few years, have been these vet glue guys like Adam Frazier, Kyle Gibson, and like obviously we we lost Kyle Gibson. He's on the Cardinals now. I'm curious to see if we get a guy like Adam Frazier again, or we just let our young guys you know pick up that role. Because I look at Jordan Westberg as someone who has that kind of veteran presence about him. Like, he's not really, you haven't really seen him get rattled. You don't really see him smile that much. And he's like, he, you know, hits the crap out of the ball. He feels really well. So I'm hoping, you know, eventually we hit a point where it's like, we're going to keep our in-house guys. Yeah. Which is really promising because, you know, after tanking for so long, it's cool to have, like, an actual deep roster. Exactly. And I yeah. think our depth contributed the most to our record last year. Like, we were a team that, like, you know, when Cedric Mullins went down, we were able to stay afloat because we have, you know, all of those utility guys. You know, we had Jorge Mateo who could play center field. You know, we have Austin Hayes and Santander who were able to hold down the corners. And Austin Hayes did play center field a good bit. And, like, while Ryan McKenna did drop that ball in Boston, that was, like, one of the worst things. I was listening to it on the radio, and I just, like, couldn't, I like, fell to my knees. I was like, <laughs> I could not believe what just happened. But, like, even, like, he's a really good defender. Like, I just think the depth is probably the best part about this team. Yeah. And just the youth and like the the promise of having these guys for like the next like five years and like the maturity and like like I said, like losing in the postseason and just wanting to get back there even more. And I think what's gonna end up happening is we're probably not gonna win as many games as we did last year. Like we won like I think like what, like one oh three games, one oh one games. Yeah. I don't think we're gonna reach that point again. Obviously I want us to, but I just feel like this team like I saw on Twitter like the the first series that we get swept in, like everyone's gonna lose their minds. But like that's just how baseball is. Like yeah. the fact that we haven't gotten swept in as long as we have is insane. Like it's like the longest streak in like the modern era. Like I think it's the longest streak since World War Two. Like I think what's gonna happen is like 
we may not look as good as we did last year, but I think we're good. Like, it's the same thing with the Eagles. Like, people are, you know, viewing this Eagles team as kind of worse than the NFC Championship, like, NFC Champion team. But I, like, I feel like as fans, like, you know that, like, the air about them is different. Obviously, we'll see opening day, what roster we trot out. But I don't know. I just feel better going into this year than I did this past year. Like, I think there's a lot to build on. And I hope that we can sign the pieces that will make us as good as we are capable of being. Yeah, and I, I think in summation, just with all the teams that we've talked about, they all potential. It's yeah. just whether or not they're able to, you know, exhibit that potential. So wait, is your call at eleven or ten thirty? It's at eleven. Oh, okay. So we still got like a half hour. That's yeah. sweet. Okay. Yeah. Uh so what did I say? You wanna talk you wanna talk Star Wars? We could talk a little bit of Star Wars. I've been I've been kinda slacking with it. Um so have I. I've uh I've fallen off after the the last season or the most recent season uh, the season of the Mandalorian. Mm. Uh, haven't watched Ahsoka. Um there's some shows that have just been kind of lingering. Um, but, I mean, Star Wars is great. Yeah. I've been a fan since I was, like, seven years old. Mm-hmm. Um, seen every movie, like, yeah. five times over. Yeah. Um, I just think that they're kind of running in at a roadblock. Yeah. They're doing so many cameos of yep. different characters, which is really cool to see. Yeah. Like, like in The Mandalorian, they had Cad Bane. That was... Dude, Cad that was Bane. one of the best scenes I think in that season. It was phenomenal because I watched him so much in the Clone Wars series mm-hmm. that seeing him live action was just incredible to me. Um, and they they are doing a lot of different things, um, and I know I feel like they're kind of running out of ideas. Yeah. Like, I mean, this isn't this isn't an unpopular opinion, but I did not like the last trilogy mm. at all. I like Force Awakens. Force Awakens okay. is probably my third favorite Star Wars movie. So, so I think that movie did so many things good, and it just kind of fell off. The, the Force Awakens, yeah. Okay, well, let me go back to that. The Force Awakens was great. Yeah. Last Jedi, not great. Mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker is, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of iffy about it. And it kind of left it off on a bad note. I'm ex- I don't want to say I'm excited. I'm just interested to see what they're going to do with that. They're going to extend any more, any more uh, time for for movie making. Um, but their show has been very successful. I know Ahsoka has been a hit, um, and there's some shows that I haven't watched. Like I know Andor has been incredible. I haven't gotten a chance yeah, to watch that. that um, but like I I just watch a lot of the key shows that I can just get into just nonchalantly. I don't have to really like you know uh, research my lore <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Um, so, like, I like The Mandalorian. I like The Book of Boba Fett. That was a great show. Um, but I just see something to really get me back into it. Mm-hmm. I think because I've been slacking, it's just something's really spiking my interest. I feel like I've seen it all. Yeah. Like, I played Star Wars video games. I've seen all the movies. Um, you can, like, quiz me, and I can just, you know, bap, bap, bap. But there's nothing really new. It's yeah. kind of, I feel like it's kind of repetitive, which is why they're doing so many cameos. Yeah. My biggest thing, I, I talked about this a few weeks ago with some of my buddies, but, like, my biggest thing with Star Wars, like, I've been the same way. Like, my dad's first movie that he saw was A New Hope, so I've been, you know, I grew up with Star Wars. And, like, the thing... Like, the reason I love The Mandalorian so much, especially specifically season one, is that this is a guy you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. There were people in the show that you've never seen before. Like, you knew that it was in Star Wars, but you couldn't, you know, tie him to any characters. And that's why what made it so good, is that it was just like a, a, a story about a character who exists within the universe of Star Wars, but he has no ties to the Lukes, you know, the Leias, you know, the Han Solos, the Ahsokas. And then, you know, season two comes along, and, like, obviously I was elated and like ecstatic to see the Luke cameo at the end or yeah. you know he takes Grogu you mm-hmm. know takes him into his care like that was awesome and I feel like it would have been cool honestly like kind of like even like consider ending it there or just kind of like have that storyline be something else but now they feel the need like you said with all the cameos and the Cad Bane cameo was cool it was cool to see Ahsoka but now they like Star Wars just feels the need to be like oh yeah this is part of our universe now instead of just being like acknowledging the fact that this can exist as its own thing in the universe but doesn't have to tie back to the Star Wars canon at all. Yeah. Like, it, uh, it would be cool if they re- revealed that this 
doesn't even happen in the same universe as Luke Skywalker and you know the Chosen One and Anakin. Like it'd be yeah. cool if they're just like, yeah, this you know this is just an alternate universe. Like they just it's the same thing with Marvel too, where they just feel the need to tie everything together. And obviously you know everything in the Marvel universe is related. Like that's yeah. like the, that's what the MCU is. Like these characters are living living in the same universe. But like it's just cool to you know have these stories where it's like, oh yeah, this is just kind of happening elsewhere, but doesn't matter too. You know, because, like, they feel the need to be, like, oh, we have this massive conglomerate universe where it's, like, everything affects everything else. You need to watch all these shows to get this. And you got to watch this, like, miniseries to get this, like, little short. And it's just, like, you don't really need to create this tapestry of continuity. Like, you can just have this exist separate yeah. from this. Or yeah. just have, you know, just have these unique stories. Yeah. Like, I have no interest. Like, the Marvel has not really sparked any interest in me besides, like, the next Spider-Man. And whenever the Fantastic Four comes out, because the spot, like what they did at the end of No Way Home, like No Way Home was kind of like a jumbled mess. Like yeah. it didn't really make sense, like story wise. It was a great movie to watch. Like it was exciting to see all the Spider Men back. Mm -hmm. But like story wise, it's like this doesn't really make much sense to me. Like I don't know. It just kind of felt like it, obviously it was a cash grab essentially, and it did its job. Like it made a billion dollars. But like what they did at the end, where it's just like yeah, you know Peter Parker, he nobody knows him. Aunt May's dead. He's living by himself. He has a new suit. He's like. They reset him to standard Spider-Man. Like he has no, you know, he's not Iron Iron Man Jr. or whatever. Like yeah. he's his own thing. That's what that that's what made me the most excited about that movie. I was more, I'm more excited about the potential for more Spider-Man movies than seeing Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield back yeah. because yeah. Spider-Man is the best Marvel character. I think like yeah, he is just and obviously you know everyone thinks that, but Spider-Man's awesome and like the potential for you know himself just being on his own is just awesome. I'm just so excited to see what they do with that. And the Fantastic Four, you know, has been something that hasn't really been touched on. Like, Doctor Doom is one of the biggest villains in the, in the Marvel Universe, so I'm excited to see how they do with that. But, like, Marvel's just, like, they just feel the need to tie everything together, but you don't have to. Yeah. Like, as a fan, I'm not, like, excited to be like, oh, a new show that I have to watch to get this movie that's going to come out in three years. And, like, all the movies this year have been terrible. Like, I, I think Disney didn't have a single movie that made a billion dollars this year, which is crazy. I'm surprised, though. Like, and going along with continuity, it's like... Something that really got me out of Marvel and Star Wars, and I still like them. They're they're still great, but like, I don't like the idea of doing your research before watching a movie or a show. Like, like oh, we're doing a next season of the show. Make sure you recap on what happens. Mm -hmm. Like, it should just be like people watch TV as downtime, and I feel like a lot of these shows have created such an effort to like include it all in like the same storyline, and it requires you to like like oh what happened mm -hmm. because it's been so long it takes them a couple years to make yeah um so that's what's kind of gotten me out of it um but like i'm still excited to see um what what they do mm -hmm. I, I really hope that they nail the secret war story because that's like one of like the biggest storylines in like all of the comics i'm curious to see how they do with that and like it kind of sucks to see like what's going on with jonathan majors and how like they may like consider having to throw out the whole king the conqueror storyline but i saw someone say like on twitter like why are they, like, freaking out about this? When, like, the whole thing about King the Conqueror is that he has a million versions of himself. Just recast somebody. And you're like, oh, this is the, you know, Earth 37 King the yeah. Conqueror. Like, you don't have to have Jonathan Majors play all of them. Mm. Like, King is a character. I mean, they, they did that with Loki. Like, in the show, they had, like, a thousand Lokis, and that's, like, the whole point of the multiverse. It's like there's, they, there exist multiple versions of this character. Like, mm -hmm. you don't have to keep Jonathan Majors. And it just kind of sucks. It. Like, you and, like, King the Conqueror, like, uh, did you see Ant-Man and the Wasp, like, Quantumania? Mm -hmm. That movie was so bad. It didn't really, like, yeah. it didn't really, ins like, 
make me like fear King the Conqueror at all. Like it kind of made him look like a joke because you know he had Ant Man beat him, and Ant Man is kind of viewed yeah. as like a gimmick character. He's, he's frowned upon, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, the movie was all right. I think they're just they're running out of ideas. Like King the Conqueror, I remember watching him in like like the old Marvel cartoons when I was like ten, and he was a great great villain mm-hmm. in Detroit Mass. But I think they're just like I don't know what they're doing. But he wasn't as like like ominous. Yeah. As, he, as he used to be. Yeah, like he's like one of the biggest bads, and he's he like he's being viewed as the successor to Thanos, who was you know the the big bad of like Phase One or Phase whatever the hell. Was it like, Phase Four or Phase yeah. Three or Phase Four? I don't or like know. Phase Five. I don't even know, but like yeah. he was viewed as the villain, and now Kang is being viewed as the villain, and it just kind of feels like they're just rushing everything, and that that's a, that's a whole other discussion about like rushing things, like these big companies, these billion dollar companies feel the need to be like we gotta churn out this whole all these things but like you don't like I feel like 80% of fans don't feel that they need to have a movie every year and that's I was talking about this a few days ago but like that's how I feel about the Pokemon franchise because Pokemon company feels the need to release a game every year but they don't have to like I'm willing to wait five years for a game if it means that this is going to be the best game that they've created Mm -hmm. because all like the last like two games have looked terrible and they've run really bad and that's kind of how the Marvel movies feel like the CGI has not been very good like these aren't visually appealing movies but then, like, when you go back to, um, you know, the original Iron Man, like, the first few Captain Americas, like, Winter Soldier, like, it's primarily practical. There's not a lot of CGI. Like, these movies look good, and they feel tangible. But now you get into, like, Quantumania, where they're going to, like, that random universe where it's, like, all these weird-looking aliens, like, the jelly head or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Like, it's, it's just, it's like, the, and obviously, like, like I said, like, the Marvel Universe is massive, and, like, you kind of have to include and, like, tell these stories. But it's just, like, they don't look that good. And it's no. just, like... Since we're entering into this phase where it's a much more cosmic phase as opposed to just staying on Earth, like you're gonna run into the situation where like you have to, you know, generate these things. Like you can't really make them practical because these characters look the way that they do. But it's just I don't know. Like it's after Endgame, and everybody says this, but like after Endgame, like Marvel's just kind of like it's just kind of falling down. Like it just feels like mm-hmm. the hype isn't there. Like you built this anthology of movies up to Endgame, but now it's just like oh, well, Iron Man's dead. Like, the guys, like, the actors that we knew. Like, I feel like there's not a lot of good actors left in the MCU. No. Like, it's just kind of like, eh. And all the characters, like, the, like, the new Avengers are like, like, the new Captain America. Like, like I, I, I enjoyed Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But, like, yeah, like he's, like, the leader of the Avengers now. Like, you have, like, Miss Marvel. And, like, like these aren't, that doesn't feel the same. As, no, like, it, you know, it Cap, doesn't. Hawk, Thor, like, all those, like, traditional, like, big superheroes. Like, now it just feels different. And, like, I'm really hoping that the DCU, like the new DCU with James Gunn, turns out really well. Because I feel like if the Superman new legacy or whatever, if that movie flops, it's over for DC. Besides Matt Reeves' Batman. Yeah. Because that movie is awesome. That is like my, one of my favorite movies of all time. And I'm really excited for the second one. Like the D, like I, I like DC more than Marvel. Like, okay. Because like Batman's like my favorite superhero of all Batman's time. Batman's great, yeah. Like he's the coolest. And like Matt Reeves' Batman like nailed it. Like that's like the best Batman to me. But, like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like this is the perfect chance for DC to kind of, like, leapfrog Marvel. Because James Gunn has a pretty good vision for what he wants in the DCU. Yeah. I just really hope that he, like, it pans out. Yeah. And um, I think just talking about, like, the, the recent Batman movie, I mean, I think it was a surprise that Robert Pattinson was able to portray yeah. Batman like that. But, honestly, I'm going to agree with you. This is probably one of my favorite Batman movies. Yeah. This is, like, recently I rewatched it because... Like, usually when I watch a movie, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I know what happens. I don't feel like watching it again. But I wanted to watch it again. Yeah. Like, I love I love Batman. I love the Riddler. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really excited to see what they do with the Joker. Yeah. Like, that post credit scene that they had. Mm-hmm. It, it was just, 
it was such a phenomenal movie, and I think people overlook it so much. But like, not even just like the the heroes themselves and like the actors they portrayed. I think just like how they portrayed Gotham mm. and like like even like the music like I yeah. loved how they included Nirvana yeah it's like it just encompasses Gotham so well and I think all the other movies are just trying to you know be unique but I felt this I feel like this felt like simpler yeah you know like after watching the Batman like I saw it like twice in theaters I saw it like a bunch after it came out on HBO like this movie like like it like changed my life like yeah. it just like I was obsessed with it like after watching it it made me look at Dark Knight like a little bit differently because mm-hmm. now I look at Dark Knight like obviously it's one of the highest rated movies of all time. It is a phenomenal movie. Christopher Nolan's one of the best directors out there. Yeah. Christian Bale is one of my favorite actors. But like, looking at his Batman compared to Pattinson's, like it's just, it just gets washed yeah. by Pattinson's. Like the suit's not as good. His voice is just so like hoarse. <laughs> like he's just like it's just so I don't I don't get it. Like I don't know why he had to go with that voice cuz like Bale has a pretty nice like American accent. Like his his Bruce Wayne was phenomenal. But his Batman is just like why are you talking like that? Yeah. Like ba- like Pattinson just nails the Batman look, he nails the Bruce Wayne. I'm excited to see him, you know, shift into more Playboy Bruce Wayne as opposed to you know like young, timid because he's only like year one or two now. But I'm mm-hmm. hoping that they do like a like a pretty big time skip for the next yeah. one. Yeah, because like that'll that'll lend to you know more Playboy Bruce Wayne who's like you know he's like cooler with the ladies and he's like a little more suave. So I'm just so excited to see what they do. Yeah. Like I hope they introduce Robin eventually. Mm-hmm. I want them to do Scarecrow in the next one. Because Scarecrow's my favorite, like, more uh, Batman villain. Like, he's awesome. I, I think Scarecrow was was portrayed very well in uh, The Dark Knight. Yeah. The Dark Knight trilogy. Um, it was really cool to see because I only saw him from, like, <laughs> this, this sounds a little stupid, but, like, playing Lego Batman. Yeah. I mean, I loved him because he was so, they didn't really talk about him much, even in the game. Yeah. Putting him in the movie was even cooler. Mm-hmm. But I think putting him in the frame of this this movie, the theme that they that they've created just with the Batman is going to be something special. Yeah, like it, 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 there's there's a lot more potential with it than like they like Killian Murphy played a really good Jonathan Crane. Yeah, and Nolan like did a really good job with like the fear talks and then the way that they like like the editing for it was really cool. But like like like, like you said, like the tone of these Batman movies and the way that Matt Reeves is going about creating Gotham and like playing with the character, like I just think and since they ha- they haven't even tapped like Matt Reeves said like. Everybody knows how Batman became an orphan, and that's why they didn't talk yeah. about it in the first movie. But I think it'd be a good way to like play with that and address it for the first time with Scarecrow, and just kind of show like even like glimpses of like Thomas and Martha Wayne like being killed, and like glimpses of him like you know fi- like finding his fear of bats for the first time. Like that, that's a really good way to play with that. And you could even see like you know I, I, I just think the fear of Batman is just such like a unique thing. That's why Scarecrow is such a compelling villain because you view Batman as People fear him, and like I think like the like in the canon like Scarecrow's biggest fear is Batman. So it'd just be cool to see that like see Pattins- Batman's Pattinson's Batman just be viewed as like he's like scary. Yeah. Like the scene where he like walks up on all the goons like beating up the guy like that's like the best like that scene is just oh it's it's incredible. Like I just cannot believe how good this movie is. Yeah. Like yeah. and everybody was doubting Pattinson. And I love he's one of my favorite actors. Like he. I've I've not seen Twilight, but I've seen some of his newer stuff, and he's just phenomenal. He is, and he's just like like a really cool personality, and he just nails it. Like I'm just so excited to see yeah. what they do. It's just it's oh, it's just so promising. I'm just so th- so thankful that they nailed yeah. this movie because it had been so long since like like I I don't really enjoy Ben Affleck's Batman. Like I thought it was okay. I didn't either. Like, I think Jack like Zack Snyder got a little too like he tried to be like too he tried to make it cool like cool and like edgy like his his like the Snyderverse is very edgy. I feel like Matt Reeves is like, he's like an like an 
I wouldn't say, I don't want to say like artsy, but he's like a tasteful director. Like he has like a really unique vision and he's not trying to make it like, I don't know. He's, he's, he understands Batman. I think the best of all the directors that have portrayed Batman, like Nolan is a phenomenal director. Like he's like a big, I don't want to say like a big spectacle guy, but he just, he, he really enjoys creating like these really like, like think piece movies. But Rat Reeves is like, I like Batman. I want to create a Batman story like this, like the Batman feels straight out of the comics. And that's just a very mm-hmm. unique take that we haven't seen that. And that's why the movie, this movie is so good. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just so promising. Yeah. I am. Um, and just going along with that, I think their choice of villains is going to be an integral part of whether the movie, uh, is successful or completely bombs like i love the idea of the scarecrow mm-hmm. but like a lot of these other villains that the batman or the dcu um has included i think just wouldn't fit well with the theme of batman like i like how they included the penguin as he was mm-hmm. um but like characters such as like i don't know bane mm-hmm. i feel like bane would not be a great fit no. or like i don't know mr freeze nah not really people have been like campaigning for mr freeze because they feel that it's gonna take place immediately after like oh batman like gotham's flooded but like there's no way that they're going to, like, do, like, a few months after. They're probably going to do, like, a big time skip. Because, like, I don't like... I, I like the idea of Mr. Freeze, but it's, like you said, like, the practicality of it within Matt Reeves' vision or what he's portrayed so far is of his vision, where it's a more grounded... Like, I wouldn't say realistic, but it's, like, you know, Riddler's a guy who's just, you know, he's able to, you know, you know put bombs in vans and, like, kidnap people, and, like, yeah. he's, like, a Twitch streamer. Like, yeah. this is, like, a, like <laughs> a semi-realistic thing. Like you, like, like you said, Bane, who is the always juiced up in a big character. And I, I, I kind of enjoyed Tom Hardy's Bane. Yeah. That's not Bane to me. Like, Bane, in every cartoon I've ever watched, has been this big, juiced-up like, Spanish like, yeah. dude. Like, Bane, I don't know. Like, Bane wouldn't work. Like, Poison Ivy wouldn't work very well. Yeah. And there's been talk about Clayface, which I think is very interesting. Because I'm curious how they're going to go about that, because I think the original Clayface was actually, like, someone who, like, was, like, a master in plastic surgery. And he would just, like, adjust his face oh. with plastic surgery. So I'm curious if they're going to go that route. Or if Matt Reeves is going to tap into a little bit of, you know, mythical and he's going to, you know, be like this big clay monster. Because I'm curious how he's going to go about that because obviously it had to be heavily CGI'd. Yeah. But I don't know. It's I'm just very excited. I have a bet with my dad, a $50 bet, that the Joker isn't going to be the main villain in the second one because he thinks he will be. But I'm like, there's no way. It's, it's, it's that, too soon. Yeah, Matt Reeves is not going to jump into the Joker immediately because, like, I feel like you don't even have to, because everyone, like, no matter how Barry Keegan plays the Joker, no Joker ever will beat Heath Ledger's Joker. Absolutely not. That is the, one of the best villains in, like, movie history. Like, he nailed that character, and no, like, Barry Keegan's a phenomenal actor, but he, I do not see a universe where he is going to play a better Joker than Heath Ledger. Hopefully it's good. And, like, from what I've seen... Like, people tend to hate on how he looks so far, but I think you haven't even seen, like, a clear image of him no. yet. And, and that's the whole thing. And he's, he's, seen, like, he's an Arkham, you know, he's all greasy, and, like, he's all, like, yeah. he's not going to have all of his makeup on. So I think it could be promising, but I want to see that Joker for, like, five years. Yeah. And I hope this trilogy is, like, seven movies. Yeah. Like, I hope it's, like, a massive... <laughs> like, I want Pattinson to, like, play until he's old, and then Matt Reeves directs a Batman Beyond movie. Yeah. That'd be sick. That's That's my never-gonna-happen like crackpot dream of like a Batman series because I I love what they've done. There's yeah. just so much potential. Like Batman's Rogue Gallery is probably the best in all of comics. Yeah. I think it's just so exciting. Yeah, I think um and I think just the he- or the villains that they portray, it has to fit like the realism approach that they've been doing since the first movie. Yeah. Like when you talked about Clayface being more like like a like a plastic surgery kind of base, that I feel like they can include a big clay monster. Like I feel like the Gotham that they're portraying and that from this first movie, it's like like an actual city. It's yeah. something too out of this world where people are like, oh, that would never happen. It's it's like simple people. Like like the Riddler. I think I like this Riddler a lot. Yeah, he was 
dude. He was fantastic. That was awesome. Because it, this, like, it could be a real it person. It was scary, too. Yeah, it was scary, and it can be a real person. And the same thing for, for the Joker, just a, a psychopath. Yeah. And I know no one can be Heath Ledger. Like, when I saw when I saw the Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, like, oh, that's a great Joker, but it's not Heath Ledger. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, but, yeah, I think if they just continue on this, like, finding a villain that, like, uh, like an actual person could be. Yeah. And kind of, like, build around that, I think will make it more... At least for me, more entertaining. Yeah, like I think I've seen Mad Hatter thrown around as someone that could yeah, do Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see, like I think it'd be funny. Like I want them to do, like I've watched a few YouTube videos of like, people's pitches for the next one. Like I hope what they do is like, they have more, like Batman deal with some more minor villains throughout the movie and then he deals with the big bad eventually. Yeah. It'd be cool to see like like a killer moth thrown in there, like a Batman copycat. Killer moth. Or like a Firefly, like all like these like smaller villains that you don't really see that much. And he like deals with them and then it leads to, like that, that was kind of the formula for Batman Begins. Like, you know, he, he met Ra's al Ghul, and, you know, he trained with him. And then, oh, Scarecrow, he has that whole fight with Scarecrow in yeah. Arkham Asylum. But then Ra's al Ghul's back. Like, I think that kind of formula would be kind of neat, where you include all of these rogues, and you have the one big rogue at the end. Because, yeah. like, Batman's rogue gallery is massive. Yeah. That's, that's why I really enjoy the Lego Batman game. Because, like, you know, it, 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 it touches on all the villains. Like, it's just so cool. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see a Poison Ivy. And I feel like a Man Bat would kind of work. I was just about to say something about that. I feel like the, at least for me, the villains that would be way out of proportion would be Bane, Killer Croc, um, yeah. Man Bat. I just feel like you could nail some prosthetics with that because like he just flies around. And he's just like annoying. But like if they do it wrong, it's going to be another Morbius. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Like Man Bat's just such like a unique villain. Like, I feel like it'd be cool to see that because like I don't like I, I like the grounded level, but like like I said, like his rogue gallery is so immense. Like it'd just be it'd be cool to see. Like he has really like Matt Reeves hasn't really talked about that much just because of the yeah. writer strike. Like they're kind of focused on the Penguin show right now. I'm excited to see how that turns out. Like see like the underworld of, of Gotham. Like kind of how that you know uh, figures itself out. But mm-hmm. like I don't know. There's, there's just so much promise with this yeah. series. I'm I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly this has got me more excited than Marvel and Star Wars combined. I'm gonna be yeah. I'm gonna be quite frank with you. Yeah. All right. So it's 10:50. Okay. Do you want to just call it now? Um. Yeah, I, yeah. All right, or or what we could do is we could play the New York Times Connections game. Yeah, have you, have you played that before? Uh, it's one of my favorites, dude. That game is you know what, let's let's race. Actually, no, I feel like we we, we should probably talk through it actually because I feel like if we're just playing a game and typing this, like no, no <laughs> audio. Yeah, no, I they were hard. Yesterday's one was very difficult. Let's see. So we got wax, piece, crescent, store, monkey, outlet, thread, socket, share. Shave, market, cut, mall, take, tweeze, and Allen. So All right. I, I see one thing immediately. I see a wrench, like monkey, Allen wrench. Socket, wrench, Allen. Sock, and, and then, was it Crescent, maybe? Maybe a Crescent. Yep. Uh, yeah. Wow, that was, that was fast. Okay, so I think store, outlet, outlet market, market, and, and mall. mall. Are we really going to blow this? Th- oh, wow. Nailed it. And uh, then share, shave, piece. Share, cut. thread. Oh, actually, no. No, no, no. Um. Oh wait. Oh, tweeze. So, yeah. Tweeze. Shave. Pe- uh, wax, wax and cut. Wow. No. Okay. Wrong. Hold on. So it's shave, tweeze, wax. Hold on. What? What? Tweeze. Well, wait. Hold on. Take. Because like the worst, the worst category of this is where it's like blank and then a word. Yeah. There's like one like. Uh, like two Fridays ago, where it's like blank pad, like it was like lily pad, max mm-hmm. pad. I was like, I'm never, I was never gonna get that. So I'm hoping that's not what the what the case is with this one. I, I think maybe thread could be. Thread, thread, yeah. <sighs> Ways to remove hair. Oh, 
because I know you can like at least for eyebrows you can like thread and like okay do that like with string which is really interesting okay portion of profit wow that also two of those kind of like play into what you do wrenches with um what's the name of the tool company oh stanley black and decker yeah and then profit with like financing (laughs) that that was the brandon this is brandon connection was this tailored to us i mean because we just we just finished that in like two minutes yeah that was incredible i'm I'm gonna do the wordle here or should we do the mini crossword Ooh, i'm gonna see how fast i can get the wordle i always do chair as my first guess I do allowed. Okay. I'm going to do... Uh, I'm going to do wades. Okay. So I got an A and an E. I got an A. Mm, mm, make. Just, no, I don't want Pay. Uh, I have a... Let's see. Are we going to Are we gonna collaborate on this, or? I don't know. I have an A in the second slot and an E in the fourth slot. Hmm. I have a... I have all yellow tiles. I have a T, A, and E. Okay. Let's see here. Maybe T, A, and E. Maybe it's... Is Leighton a word? Yeah, L-A-T. Okay, so there's an there's an N. Wait, so it's T, A, blank, E, N. Oh, it's probably taken. Taken, yeah. Boom. How about that? Let's do the mini. Let's yeah. race on the mini. Let's not even all talk. Right, all right, all right. If I can open the mini. Oh, we should do like a like the the race. Is there was there a race sound effect? I thought there was. Oh. <laughs> Stop. Is that gonna play the entire time? Alright, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Just like ready? <laughs> Three, yeah. two, one. Oh god, city in upstate New York. Uh oh. What? City in, okay, hold on. City in upstate New York. Why am I blanking? Let's play that again. <laughs> City in upstate New York. Judy and the Bond films? Oh, oh, oh. Main focus of season five of The Crown. No one watches that. Um... Oh, 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 oh. Okay, hold on. Got it. Minute 32. I'm still stuck on the city in upstate New York. You're going to have to spoil it for me. Uh, Utica. Oh, I, I was way off. I don't like how Pop is dad. I don't know how that makes any sense. Oh, like, oh, when... Little oh oh like dash yeah. and then main focus of the season five of the crown I don't know uh, Diana 
That was that was dumb. Wow. I got one in like forty seconds, I think, last week. Man. Man, oh man. Well, I thank you so much for having oh, me course. on here. Th- this was phenomenal. Yeah. I'm glad that you like expressed interest in yeah. wanting to come on. I'm hoping I can get more guests. I mean, I'd love to have you on like in a, in a few months, few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think my next my next guest, Ian was telling me like him and Nick Alavedo are thinking of like starting a chess club. And he said if you oh, can yeah. get that chess club figured out, he'll be a guest on the show, which I think would be hilarious. That that would be awesome. But yeah, thank you for having like thank you for coming on here. I thank you for you know expressing interest in coming on. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, talked about a lot of different topics. It was dope. But uh, yeah, thanks for having. Thanks for I keep saying I keep wanting to say thanks for having me. But you you're on this show. Thank you thank you for having me and. Just as a sign-off, let's go birds of yeah, all types. Uh, yeah, all birds. Orioles, ravens, yeah. eagles, all of them. Even though I am, I am petrified of birds. <laughs> That's actually my biggest fear. Like, big, like crow size and above, like, I'm scared of geese and ostriches. Like, I can't stand them. But I, I love eagles. I love Orioles. And that's, that's where it ends. All right. All right. Only two, fair. Only fair two birds I love. But, yeah, have fun on your Zoom call. Good Thank luck you. with this internship. Good Thank luck you. the rest of your semester. Thank you so much. You too. And I'll see you around, even all though right. we're going to be in the yeah. same room yeah. after this ends. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Talks with Walks, and I'll see you guys next week. Peace out.